Hey guys, and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacing and Racing Podcast, the Canadian triathlon podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. And in this podcast, we meet with Mike Riley, also known as the Iron Voice and the man behind the mic at the Kona World Championships and many of the biggest Ironman races. Now, he has been the announcer and essentially icon of Ironman dating all the way back to 1989. Now, I mean, think about this for a minute. Now, Mike Riley has never missed announcing a single Kona race since 1989. He has announced hundreds of Ironman races and has been there at the finish line, seeing and hearing thousands of amazing stories from athletes. He has been the motivation and highlight of many triathletes' memories of Ironman because of its words and his demeanor as they cross the finish line. And I mean, picture this. You spent the past year training. You've been through so much in your life this year, but you kept pushing. You're 50 feet away from the finish line of the hardest race of your life, and you hear your name being announced, and you hear the words, you are an Ironman. Now you cross the finish line, as the crowd is roaring and your family's there holding up homemade signs and your emotions are at an all-time high, realizing you just accomplished one of the biggest moments in your life. And now, I mean, because of stories like these, Mike has been a part of so many of these and he's had the privilege to connect with so many triathletes that he's actually been able to create and just released his new book titled Finding My Voice, Tales from Iron Man, The World's Greatest Endurance Event. Now, I personally am a big fan of Mike Riley and although I've only done 70.3s, I do have it on my bucket list to make sure that the first Ironman I do, Mike Riley will be there to announce me across that finish line. Now, I mean, I could go on about Mike because he's truly one in a million and so passionate about triathlon and the sport, but it's better if you hear it from Mike himself. So here he is, guys. Let's cue the music and enjoy the podcast. So today's episode is brought to you by our two sponsors who I'm beyond humbled and excited to represent. The first one is Scody. Now I'm excited to work with Scody and represent them because I've always been back and forth between triathlon suits and triathlon apparel as there's just so many different styles and quality out there and price ranges are obviously a huge factor for me. So Scody's always been an eye catcher and you may have heard some of your favorite triathletes and cyclists like triathlon Taryn and Melissa Hoschild are huge Scody supporters. So let me break it down what separates Scody from the other triathlon apparel that I've tried in the past. Now, first off, the range of apparel they have is simply amazing. They have cycling jerseys, bibs for men and women. They have running shirts, jackets, singlets, shorts. And for triathletes, they honestly have some of the best designed triathlon suits and shorts I've ever seen. Now, they have designers at hand and can offer custom design apparel, which was another important factor for me because I wanted to create an amazing custom triathlon suit to represent pacing racing and they definitely exceeded my expectations. Now, you can see the final product of that by searching my Instagram at pacing.and.racing. It's absolutely my favorite triathlon suit that I've worn yet, and I can't wait to represent it in my 2019 season. So lastly, the quality and price were another huge important factor for me. And the fact that I'm able to find an apparel and tri-suit brand that offers professional quality, but still offers it at a price that the average age grouper can afford is what sealed the deal. Now, all their apparel is pro-grade and wearing it, it won't chafe on long races and it won't suffer the wear and tear like many of the other cheaper products do that are on the market today. So for all you diehards out there, they also offer the customized ITU compliant suits. So if you guys want to check them out, you can find them on Instagram by searching at Scody Australia, which is spelled at S-E-O-D-Y-A-U-S, or go to www.scody.com slash pacing and racing. And of course, use the 10% off code pace and race. Or if you're on Facebook, you can search Scody Australia. 
Now, the second sponsor of today's show is Pro Triathlon Training that has been officially launched. I am super excited to be able to tell you all about it because I honestly feel this is the crowd that would benefit the most from it. Now, my good friend Triathlon Terran has released his website that is now live called Pro Triathlon Training. It is an online course that teaches you specialized training that makes you more proficient in swimming, cycling, and running. Now, I mean, what makes this so great is the instructors of the course are some of the best pros in the disciplines, like Lucy Charles and Reese Barclay teaching swimming. You have Cameron Worf teaching cycling. You have Sarah and Ben True who teach the running aspect, and they have strength training taught by Tim O'Donnell, Miranda Carfrey, and Aaron Carson. I mean, it's an awesome course, and I'm currently enrolled in myself, and I love the content. And if you use the discount code PTTLAUNCH20, you'll get 20% off, and this code is only available for a limited time. So definitely jump on that as soon as you can. And if you want to check that website out, you can find the link in my Instagram bio. And again, my Instagram bio is at pacing.am.racing. Thanks so much, Taryn, for making and creating content like this because we're all super big fans of this. And I think this would really benefit for a lot of people listening in today. So definitely check that out, guys. Other than that, enjoy the episode. So, Mike Riley, welcome to the Pace Racing Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you having me here. Uh, Stephen, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And obviously, you've been keeping very busy. Like we were just talking about a moment ago, you're super busy now because you just uh, released a book. So, uh, how's things going with that? Going very well. I mean, the initial three weeks, uh, well, I dropped about around April 1st. Uh, very well. I mean, uh, shipping is going pretty good. Amazon's a little slower than others. I think they're trying to bulk up or bring bring books in to, to get them out uh, but I'm very happy with it awesome no it's perfect and no I uh, I just received my book today literally today a few hours ago I just went to the mail and I got it off Amazon so uh, needless to say they are shipping so that's a good sign <laughs> and uh, now, now I'm waiting for them to get a, get the audio book up on audio audible.com that's that's their company it's it's up on Nook with Barnes and Noble it's up with Google Play but they've got it in their hands and and we're still waiting for them to get that audio book up, which I recorded. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that right now, actually. So I didn't know it was up yet. So it's up in a couple spots right now. Yes, it is. If they get you to go to MikeRiley.net, it's got, uh, we've got the links there where you can buy the audio book right away. I've had a couple people, one guy sent me a text who I've known and sent me a text the other night coming home from LA to San Diego Sunday night. And he goes, geez, Riley, I'm driving down the 405 freeway and you're making me cry. What the heck? Oh, <laughs> he, he had it. So that was a, that was a good thing. Awesome. And actually I love the approach of the audiobook because I mean, for so many triathletes, they spend a lot of time on the bike and just sitting on the indoor trainer or, or doing a long run, things like that. So it's perfect to listen to it, especially coming from you. Cause you said you recorded it yourself, right? So I think that's awesome. Right. I, I actually, you know, when this all came out and getting the book done was my priority, you know, getting it in print and getting it written. Uh, and I, I didn't really, you know, I knew I wanted to have an audio book, but then people started sending me messages. Hey, you got to make sure you do the audio book. And I said, what? And then I talked to my son who does a lot of my marketing and my writer, Lee Gruenfeld. And they go, yeah, you gotta, you gotta read this thing. So we went into a studio for a couple of days and, you know, got it out. Amazing. Hey, eh? now how was it? Your, that's probably your first experience, I assume, in recording an audiobook. So was it difficult? It was, it was very difficult. Uh, it, it was mentally taxing. I didn't think it would be that hard. You, you know, when you're reading, 
what you wrote and what you know. I'm a storyteller, so I'm telling stories, but I'd miss words in the sentences, and I'd have the director come in my ear and go, oh, you missed as the in that sentence. And I go, really? Does it make any difference? Yeah, we, we can tell. But to me, telling the story, it didn't really make any difference to me, but I had to make sure I nailed everything. So I, I was stopped quite a bit over the two days. Like, no, you got to do this a little, you're, you're talking too fast, or now you're going too slow. And oh my gosh, I was, I was beat up afterwards. I, I, you know, doing an Ironman day of 17 hours was easier than those two days. <laughs> that's funny. I eh? know that's a, uh, that's incredible. I, I'm super excited to actually hear that. And now that I know it's out, I knew you were, you were working on it. So I didn't hear that it was released. So I'm, I'm super pumped about that. And I think I'll be checking that out just after we get off this podcast. But now I've, I've actually got quite a few questions here for you. But before we sort of get into the book, let's sort of rewind a bit. And are you able to tell the listeners uh, sort of where your career in triathlon started? Because uh, you never actually planned to become an announcer when you first got into this, which I found was interesting. Well, I was, uh, I announced running races in San Diego in the late 70s, early 80s. And, and I was doing triathlons down at Mission Bay and Fiesta Island with, you know, Jeff Tinley, Scott Tinley, a few people. We were just having fun down there. And, and uh, so I, I, I got into the triathlon lifestyle and I was more of a runner than a triathlete. And then when we got into the triathlon lifestyle, I, I picked up a microphone at a few triathlons and it just started to grow from there. You know, it was always in between when I was racing or running marathons or doing whatever I was doing. And I liked it. I, I you know, I, I always liked public speaking. I was uh, in, I mean, to I was in Toastmasters and I, so I didn't, it didn't bother me to pick up a microphone and it was just a blast. I mean, I got to try to make people, you know, when you say their name, you, you get this look from them. I mean, their name is their most pr prized possession, so to speak. And, and uh, I got to yell out their name and tell them they look fantastic at the finish line. So it just, it just started growing from there. And, and then I was lucky enough to grow along with the sport of triathlon from, you know, through the eighties and nineties and obviously up to today. So very fortunate to be a part of it for a long time. Awesome. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. And I mean, obviously Ironman and all the athletes within it are super happy that, that uh, you're a part of it. And I mean, now what, what sort of made you jump over to the Ironman races? Well, I was asked, you know, it was like I was announcing triathlons and in the 80s. And then I got the call in uh, late 88 or early 89 to wondered if I'd like to come assist in Hawaii at the 89 race. Well, you know, I was I was playing. I was training a lot and I wanted to do Kona. That was the year or the year after that was when I was planning on doing it. But man, that call was, you know, it's like getting called up to the major leagues. Yeah, are you kidding me? What do you say? I uh, no, I think I'll stay down here in the minors for a year or so more. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. So I, I jumped at the chance, and and that's how it all started. I, I was an assistant there in '89 and '90. Uh, was a was a co lead in '91, and then then it was my show from '92 on. That's incredible, eh? And and now it's it's just it's amazing that you started specifically at the 1989 because that was a pretty big year with the, with Iron Man having the Iron War the Iron War with Mark Allen Dave Scott. I mean, like how was that experience for you being there? So that was your first time assisting at Kona. So was it quite the experience? Yeah, I've got a couple of chapters in the book. One is year one, 1989. I call it. It's titled Year One of what went through my mind, the things that were there, the things that I saw. And I really wasn't going to write about Mark and Dave because it's been written about so much about Iron War and everything. But 
but I had so many aspects of what I listened to that day on the speak on the walkie talkie system, the spotters, what they were telling me as these two guys, I call the chapter, the clash of the Titans as these two Titans were just beating up on one another, uh, for the entire day. So I did write about that. And it was, you know, I look back today, I remember 10 years after that in 99, I look back and go, God, how lucky was I to be able to be a part of 89 as my first year and that year. And then you come 20 years later and you go, my gosh, there still hasn't been a race to match that. And some people say today there still hasn't been a race to match the 89 race between those two. So, uh, yeah, it was fortuitous that, that I was on the microphone in 89 and, and that, uh, those those two Titans did what they did. That's incredible. And it's amazing to be a part of such a, a benchmark in, in sort of the history of, of Ironman, because I think that really sort of set the bar for the sport. And I, I was super happy to, it was amazing to read on that. And I'm actually, I'm glad to see that that's in your book because I, I look forward to reading that part a lot. And I think a lot of people will get a different perspective when they, when they read that chapter. So that's a, that's exciting. And now, I mean, let's, let's flash forward a little bit to today. And now you're best known for your famous four words that you say uh, when athletes cross the finish line, that is you are an Ironman. Now what's fascinating though, which I didn't realize at first is that you never just say it with someone asks you to say it only basically if they complete the race, that's when you, you will say those words. And I mean, tell us your reasoning for being so passionate about that golden rule. Cause I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, you know, I'll, I'll say it to people if, if I'm in an airport and they go, gosh, I didn't hear it. And I'll say it in their ear. And although I, I have yelled it out a couple of times at airports because the family was there and, and, you know, I do it to the athlete, but when people come up to me, Hey, say that, you know, like they just want to hear it. I go, no, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's, it's sacred to, to me. It's sacred to the age groups, athletes. It's sacred to everybody. And I, I don't, you know, I, you know, it's not like it's a religious thing, but what it is, it's, it's a, it's a passage and a right. And you just don't throw that around uh, willy nilly. And, you know, I'll, I'll call people up on the phone who I get a message from a spouse or a brother or a mom saying, you know, Johnny didn't hear it. He, you must've been in the bathroom. I go, well, give me his phone number. And, and I probably make, Oh, some months it's up to 30, 40 calls, but I usually make 10 to 20 calls a month to people that I get a message that they didn't hear it or I wasn't at that particular Ironman and they really want to hear it from me. So I'll call them up on the phone and tell them on the phone. And those are, I wish I could record all those conversations because they are classic. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing to hear. It's, that's actually, it's, that should be the next one, the next audiobook. if you can start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. And, and actually, I, I think that's amazing that you do that and then that you've sort of stuck with that mindset around those words because yeah, it makes it, it makes it that special, that much more special when they cross that finish line after a grueling race. And it just, for some people it might've been their first race. And, and like you dive into with your, with your book, some people have some crazy stories sort of to lead them to completing that Ironman. So I think it's amazing that they have those sacred words that they can sort of look forward to and hear as a special moment after they cross that line. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, they have, they've taken on a life of their own. They, you know, someone does a race and they come to the finish line, they get their time, they get their medal, they get everything. And they're, they're congratulated by family and friends. But this, this, for some reason, puts them up on a pedestal for those four or five, sometimes seconds is all. And when they hear it, you know, it, it changes a lot of people's lives because 
everybody has a backstory and they've gone through some, some tough, tough times to even get to that start line. Then they come to that finish line. And it's like, are you kidding me? People told me I couldn't do this. They pushed me down. They or all their lives. They could have been pushed down in something else. And then they proved to themselves they are a strong human. And doggone it, when, when I'm able to tell them that uh, and add some luster to that day, you know, I'm the luckiest guy on earth to be able to do that. And so it has taken a life on its own, and uh, as I guess it should. I mean, I was never designed. I never thought it would be what it is today, uh, but, but I'm happy to be a part of it, that's for sure. For sure. And that's amazing to hear. I think that's uh, super cool. And, and now I think it's, it's awesome too, because you're not just a, the announcer of, and the voice of Iron Man. Like you're, you're also a captain on the Iron Man Foundation, which you, you play a big part on that, that Iron Man Foundation. And, and Matt Russell was on the podcast not too long ago. And he, he told me a story about how you guys always travel up together and, and do quite a bit of work together. And now, I mean, would you tell us a little bit about the Iron Man Foundation and sort of what you guys do there? Yeah, I've always been aware of the Iron Man Foundation, and three years ago, they asked me to be a part of it, and and uh, I, I said yes, of course, and and I was always worried about my time because I am, you know, all over the place, and what kind of commitment can I make to this? And but you know what, it it, it turned on me quickly in such a positive way because, you know, it it's in giving that that we receive, and and and. It, it's just amazing the communities we go into and the changes we make and see the looks on these people's faces when we're painting their house after the hurricane in Houston or we're, you know, helping feed some children or homeless children and or building something for somebody. And it just uh, to be able to give back in the community that, you know, Iron Man is a is a strain on the communities and it's a it's a long day. It's it's not just race day, it's a lead up and, and to be able to give back and be a part of the Ironman Foundation to do that with with great people like Derek Fitzgerald and Mike Ergo and uh, you know and Sarah Hartman running the organization. It 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 just is full, so fulfilling. It just is absolutely so fulfilling to see to, to be able to give to others and see their lives enhanced because of it. Awesome. That that's incredible. And I I'm super just happy to be a part of something like Iron Man that they offer an Iron Man Foundation like that. I think that's really cool to see. And I I'm glad to see that so many so many people are actually helping and partaking in the foundation. I think that's a really cool thing and I, I'm glad to see that it's it's sort of gotten bigger over the years too. Like it's a it's a big thing now. It is. It's uh it's fantastic. We had an an adaptive surf clinic at their after the uh, Oceanside seventy point three a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning. And, you know, here we are helping these kids get on surfboards and go through the waves. And Daniela Reef was there along with myself and Bob Babbitt and a few of the other pros, Sarah True, and, you know, put kids up on the board that may only have one arm or one leg and, or, or no use of their legs. And we've got them, you know, flying through the waves on these surfboards and to see the looks on their faces and how they feel. I mean, there's nothing like it. And some of these kids were out there three years ago. Now they're surfing on their own. It's just, it's fantastic. Wow. That's amazing. No, that's, that's really cool. And I mean, now let's sort of switch it over and talk about your book now. I mean, so if those who haven't heard about it yet, the title is Finding My Voice, Tales from Iron Man, the World's Greatest Endurance Event. And now, like you said, it's been out for just about a month now, or actually not even, um, about half a month now. So you've obviously been keeping pretty busy with book sales and and going around with book signings and stuff. And and do you have any book signings or events coming up in the near future that uh, some listeners might want to hear about? 
Yeah, I, I, uh, well, I was in Santa Barbara last week. Tomorrow I head to Salt Lake, to the Salt Lake Tri Club. They're one of the largest tri clubs in the country, a very active group. So I'm going to speak there tomorrow night and sign books. And then the week after is Ironman Texas. So at all the Ironmans I'm at, I will be doing signings in the merchandise store. Uh, so people may have already bought the book can come in and I'll sign it or obviously buy the books there and uh, I'll be able to do that. So uh, my schedule's up on my website. They can see where I'm going to be. Uh, in May, I'm actually doing a signing in Detroit at Fraser Bicycle in Fraser, Michigan. They, they're one of the largest bike stores in Michigan. And then I go to Columbus after that with the uh, Mid-Ohio Triathlon Club. You know, Meredith Kessler said she's going to come and sit in the audience. My God, I'm going to be nervous, you know. <laughs> Here I am talking to somebody like that, and, and she's out of the Columbus area. So, yeah, I, wherever I'm at doing an event, and we, we may try to add others into it. You know, I've tried clubs in the tri-state area of, uh, you know, New York and Jersey. They want me to come out. It's just a, it's just a time issue. I, oh, my gosh. We, I'd be gone five days a week, which I just obviously don't want to do that. Can't do that. Uh, so I'm trying to get as, to as many as I can. For sure. No, that, that's great. And now it sounds like, of course, you obviously do a lot of traveling. I mean, now for this, all the book work as well with the book signings, but even aside from the book, like before the book, you were doing tons of traveling with going from Ironman to Ironman. And tell us a little bit about that because you will travel sort of all over the world to announce at these races. Traveling, everybody always asks me about the travel. I was on the road. I, I stayed 90 nights in hotels last year which didn't seem that bad. And, you know, these book signings, like Salt Lake, I'll fly today. I mean, tomorrow, I'll be there tomorrow night and I'll be back home at one o'clock on the next day. So I get, I get in and out of those. Those don't even seem like trips to me uh, because they're not longer than a night. But, uh, you know, traveling, it sucks. It's just (laughs) the, the packing and the, you know, there's just no more luster to it anymore. Sometimes when I go overseas and if I get upgraded to business class, I'm thinking, oh my God, I just died and went to heaven because you you're feel so much better when you get there. Or if I'm traveling with uh, other pros, whether it's a Matt Russell or going to a race with Paula, maybe she's going to the same race. Uh, it, then we have, I mean, we have a great time in New Zealand this year, Ironman New Zealand, you know, Heather Fuhrer and Rock Fry were down there uh, checking out the site for the world championships in 2020. And and uh, we were together all week. Here we live in San Diego together, and we see each other more on the road. So the travel thing, it, it's not very glorious anymore, uh, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. It gets me to where I want to be. Excellent. No, that's awesome. It's great to see that you can travel around so much and, and be there and so the people can experience that and, and see that and sort of get that interaction with you. So uh, I think that's really cool. And I think a lot of people are super thankful about it, whether they say it or not. I think it's a, it's one of those unwritten things that everyone really appreciates you being at all these Ironman races, because like you said, I'm sure you've had some stories where people said like, well, when are you coming to this race? And will you be at this race? And they all want you to be at that race pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I had, to, I took a couple out this year just because uh, Ironman Santa Rosa. It's on Mother's Day weekend. And last year I missed, you know, my daughter being a mom and my wife and, you know, it's just the family overrides everything with me. So that's why I'm not going to Santa Rosa. And, you know, I took some heat from that because I live right here in California. And, uh, but you know, you got to make personal decisions. And, and, uh, I really would have liked to gone to back to Maryland or Chattanooga, but that's two weeks before Hawaii. And, and, uh, it's just a tough turnaround because I'm in Hawaii so long and got to be, you know, I got to be really on my game for that week because it's a every day, every night uh, of the of the week stuff to do. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I just 
I figured out how how I can uh, get it done. So I just I just can't be everywhere. <laughs> no, and yep, no, absolutely makes sense. And now, I mean, talking about your book, so you've basically written it out in a series of chapters, and and you've broke out different stories uh, that you've. Actually, I guess before we get in that, I guess, can you explain to sort of everyone, what's the premise behind the book and sort of what gave you the idea and how did you sort of separate all the chapters based off the stories you've heard over the years? Well, I've had the idea for a long time in my mind because of the stories I've seen, I've been involved with, I've been touched by. So I wanted to get them down in writing, but, but I'm talking 10, 15 years, I've been thinking about that. And then over the last few years, more and more uh, stories have have come about, or other ones from the past. I really started to recall. Maybe I ran into that athlete again, and it reminded me. So, what I did was I wanted to build a book. Sure, it's a book about stories, but but I I built it from the chapter out. So, in other words, I have a chapter titled "Healing uh, Iron Miracles." I have a chapter titled "Better Not Older," uh, with some of our older athletes that just absolutely thrill us all. Uh, a chapter about coping, just trying to get through life itself, and then doing Ironmans on top of it all. I mean, it's it's Herculean what some of these people do. Transformation, being transformed from one person that was making a lot of bad choices in their lives to now making fantastic choices in their life has turned around. So that's how I built the the book. Uh, I it's you know I. I don't didn't want it to be an autobiography. A lot of people have always asked me questions, so I answered a lot of things of how I got started, and you know, a couple of things that have happened to me that that I learned lessons from, uh, and I wanted to pass those on. So, you know, it was it's simple, Stephen. I, I've been inspired and motivated by these stories and these people, and I felt it would be selfish not to pass them on. Awesome. I, I really like that. And I, I like the take on it that it's the book is about the athletes who you've seen over the years and have had these amazing connections with and the, heard amazing stories from. So I really like that approach with the book. Now, for some who haven't read the book yet, could you give us a little bit of a, a story from an athlete that kind of resonates with you that you kind of think about that you'd be able to share from the story without giving too much away, I guess? Sure. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's interesting. I had a, uh, a friend sent me a text yesterday and he goes, Mike, I bought your book, but I really just, and he's been involved with Iron Man for a lot of years. And he goes, I bought your book because it's you. And, but I just figured I'd start reading it. It'd just be stories I know. And the, the, what you wrote in this book about people I have no idea about, it's amazing. So some of the stories about have been public, whether it's Sarah Reinerson, the first female amputee to finish Kona after failing, whether it was you know, Rudy Garcia Tolson that did it in Arizona after failing in Kona, you know, with, with two prosthetics. Uh, oh, Scott, it's hard to always pick one out. I, I dive into, you know, Iron Man has such a deep military background and there are always about 40 to 45 active duty military that do every Iron Man race, uh, that there is. And, uh, you know, the, the, the gentleman in my book by the name of Mike Ergo that wanted to end his life after he lost so many of his comrades at the Second Battle of Fallujah. And uh, he, he had, had such survivor's remorse, he couldn't even answer the question of why he was still there. So he tried to end his life. Well, he put the M16 rifle in his mouth on New Year's Eve before he was decommissioned to go home, but he didn't pull the trigger. And he didn't pull that trigger because he didn't, want his wife and 
and family and friends to have to tell everybody how he ended his life. So he came home and he abused himself, drank cocaine, drove his motorcycle at 100 miles an hour, anything he could do to naturally go. So his family, it would be easier for them to say, oh, he had a crash or whatever. I mean, that's what he was thinking. And, you know, in the book, I tell how he ended up turning himself around and but what he went through to turn himself around. And, you know, he didn't know what PTSD was or uh, survivor's remorse and all those things because this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, but I wanted to write about his story because I, I'm not trying to teach anybody a lesson. I, you know, no, 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 no. We don't want to be told what to do. The best lesson we can learn is when we learn it ourselves and we go and take something out of something you read or hear or see and go, I've got to do that. And once we individually make that decision to, to start turning our lives around, it's much more powerful. And so the story of Mike Ergo, you know, to all the men and women, you know, whether you're a police officer, a firefighter, military, you, you go through some horrific stuff that, that most of the world have no idea about. I mean, I'm thinking of the firefighters that had to battle the blaze yesterday at Notre Dame in Paris. And, and you know, I, I've had firefighter friends that worked 9-11. And, you know, it does something to you. And, and you've got to be able to move on and cope with it. Because if you don't, you know, you may do something like end your life or you just may make things so miserable for your family, they want to all leave you. So that, that story is, is strong. It's, it's great. Uh, does it have a happy ending? Well, yeah, a lot of these stories have good endings. I, I wouldn't say they're all happy. Some are still battling what they've been battling, and you'll see that in my book. Uh, and that's why I wanted to write about them, just to let people know that, you know what, you're going to be able to take something away from this. I don't know what it is, but you're going to be able to take something away from this. That's right. I, I think everyone who reads this, everyone will take away something different. And and just hearing you say a story like that, like that, that's incredible. It's super impactful to to hear. And I think that will resonate with so many people. And and like I said, Ironman athletes, everyone has a different story. And you just you don't know when you as they cross the finish line, like there's there's thousands of athletes you see every year and you you never really know what their story is until they kind of open up. So I, I think that's incredible. And I think I really love how you take that approach and that you've gotten to connect with so many athletes over the years and kind of hear these stories and, and uh, not just hear them, but also like you've, you've stuck around and you've been a part of these people's lives now for so many, so many years. So I think that's incredible. Keep in mind, it's not all, you know, there's a lot of stories like that, but there's a lot of funny stuff. I'm telling you some of the stuff I've seen and when, when uh, people come to the finish line and some of the things they do or they say before they go into the water and even a lot of times the crowd sees it and they start laughing hysterically like I do. And uh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the book that uh, is, is quite funny. <laughs> it's just, you know, I've, if, if somebody says, Mike, I think you've seen it all. I go, nah, I don't think I've seen it all, but I've seen a whole heck of a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Eh? So there's a complete spectrum of emotions that everyone will get to get to feel as they read this book. And now do you have a, a funny story that sort of sticks out in the book? Oh gosh. I, I mean, I, I told this the other night in Santa Barbara when I was speaking there, it just came to my mind and, and, uh, it's short and sweet, but I had a finisher coming in at Louisville and I'd only announced Louisville a couple of years. Uh, cause it now is on, I think Kona weekend. So anyway, this guy's coming into the finish line and, uh, 
I, I don't really remember the time. It wasn't slow. I mean, he was like a 12-hour guy or 12 and a half hour. And here he comes, and he stops about 20 feet short of the finish line. No one else is coming in the chute. He kind of had it by himself. And uh, he just stops. And, uh, you know, I didn't think anything. I called his name and called him an Ironman. And, and a lot of people stop, and they'll wave to somebody or go over and kiss a, a family member or a friend or whatever it may be. But he just stops right in the middle. He just kind of looks up at the clock. And grabs his waist of his shorts. And he's starting to lean forward. I'm going, no friggin' way. <laughs> and, and I look on the side and along the fencing, you, know, you got kids there and moms with their kids and dad. And I go, this guy thinks he's going to moon the crowd? I, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, and so I, I can't freeze at moments like that because I, you know, but I can't run out there and tackle them. You know, I gotta, I'm trying to figure out a way to prevent it. This is all happening in like, you know, two and a half seconds. So I just instinctively yelled something that I thought would stop him. And I said, if you do that, you will be disqualified for life. And I, you know, it was like a dad yelling at him. And I, I got pretty loud and partly angry, but I, I, I just needed to be forceful enough. So I raised the octave of my voice. He stopped kind of mid-bend, looked at me, came back up, and, and kind of shook his head yes and ran in. And, and like, I, like I could DQ him for life. I want him to think he was going to be DQ'd for life if he did that. So he <laughs> didn't do it. And then the crowd just laughing hysterically at him going through, you know. Uh, but I was happy he didn't, you know, <laughs> moon the, the finish line crowd yeah so. with that, all the families and then you know you think about it after it's oh my gosh you came so close it was it was pretty hysterical <laughs> no that's awesome I, I can't wait to i can't wait to read this book because there's gonna be so many stories and i uh, really looking forward to hearing all those so i think that's amazing and now when you when you've been all over the world for these ironman races have you sort of found a f- like a favorite few races that you like to go back to every year, obviously Kona, but any, any other ones that you yearly try to make an effort to go to every season, just because of you like the atmosphere or you like the, the, uh, the location or anything like that. Well, I doubt if I'll ever miss Lake Placid, you know, that race in 99 was the first mainland U S race. And, and I've done it every year since. So it's like going home to a great community. I mean, Lake Placid is just a very special place and the East Coast triathletes are so passionate and a lot of, a lot of the uh, Eastern Canadians come down and do that race. So that, that race has always been special to me. Ironman New Zealand and Australia, they both have been special to me. I kind of I grew up with those races. Uh, Australia was the first race I did after Hawaii. Uh, I started there in like 94 and done it like 20 years or so, uh, kind of off and on. And the same with New Zealand. I think this year was my 18th year there. And going to those communities, it's just, I, I, I don't know, it's, it, I, I'm very lucky because it's like I'm going home to a lot of different places throughout the, throughout the world. Uh, Ironman uh, Mont Trabant is, is a newer race. You know, I think we're only in the sixth year there, but it's just that community just embraces it like crazy. But, and people, Stephen, always ask me, you know, what's my most favorite Ironman to go to? And and I, I, I put in the book which one it is. Oh, excellent. That's good. So, yeah, that's, that's good that you don't <laughs> tell us here because uh, I can't wait to actually read that. So hopefully there's no spoiler alerts. I'm, uh, I'm curious. So that, that, that's exciting. And I'm actually looking forward to Lake Placid. I'll be doing Lake Placid this year. Not, oh, the, full, not the full, unfortunately, the 70.3, but working towards that. So, <laughs> so looking forward that's to that right, one day. Right. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The more I, I got into this book and, and uh, I started realizing how universal it is. It's sure there's uh, people in the endurance world would hopefully love to read something like this because they could relate to those stories or working out or putting in the time. But, but the more and more that people came into the sport, whether it was a uh, Tony Kanan, Indy 500 winner or Heinz Ward, MVP, Super Bowl or Kirsten Cinema, who's now a United States Senator and, and all these people, you know, Sean Astin, great actor come into this world and, and all they, they're transformed into some, you know, here they are at the pinnacle of their careers. They've done very well, but yet they want to climb this mountain called Ironman. And, uh, it, it it's, it's universal. I, I think this book, you know, you know what it's like out there with, Oh gosh, spouses and partners and, and family members going, what are you doing? You're taking away from the kids time and everything else. And they don't quite get it. If, if, if they buy, get a book for them and have them read the book, they'll, they'll now know what Iron Man's all about and why this passion is so deep and so, uh, you know, life transforming. Uh, if somebody reads this, who's really not a part of it, they'll, they'll get it afterwards. Awesome. I love that. It's a, it's a book for everyone. So not just the Ironman athlete themselves. Actually, I really like that. And I like that take. That's very cool. Now you touched on a few about the, uh, audiobook, sorry, but where's this book available now and, and where can they sort of go and where can they get all the, the details? Well, um, obviously Amazon's got it. They're shipping, uh, slower than Barnes and Noble. And there's another company called Bam Books a Million. Uh, I, I ordered to them and they got it in three days. So, and then uh, uh, Scribed is also an audio company that has it, you know, um, the audiobook. Barnes & Noble, Nook has got it, and Google Play has the audiobook. And we're waiting for Audible to put it up. You know, I, I self-published this, and we looked at publishers, and I had a great agent out of New York who I'm still friends with, and but we went down the self-publishing road. So uh, things, I think, happen a little slower when an author brings out a book on its own. There's no... There's no background to, you know, there's no big publishing company promoting it like the best things in sliced bread. Uh, so, it, which is fine. I, I think this thing is going to be a book that's quite timeless. And, uh, but once it starts getting out there in the hands, because what people are telling me that read it are, are not what I expected. I mean, it's just some incredible reviews and, and uh, that people are being touched by it. Uh, so, if, if, you know, Oprah read the book, I think she would be incredibly touched by it, not knowing this world or anybody like that. Uh, whether it gets up to those types of ranks, I don't know. But I think this book can, can uh, open the eyes of a lot of people to things that are out there that, that my gosh, what am I complaining about? Awesome. That's a very cool, very cool take on it. And yeah, I think I, I've heard nothing but amazing things and amazing reviews. And, and you can check around online. Like uh, people have said nothing but incredible things when the, the, who have read the book. And, and it's still the, the first month. So uh, I'm expecting a lot more from that. So I think that's very cool. And I think a lot of people are super happy that you finally re like were able to release this because, uh, I mean, you've collected stories for so many years. So it's great that you're finally able to, to put the book together now and, and still also be a part of the sport. So it's not like you sort of left Iron Man and, and then released the book. It's, you're still, you're still doing everything. You're still part of it. You're still announcing races. So I think that's awesome. I, I really like that. 
And you plan yeah, on I've had a few people go, so you got the book out, you're retiring? I go, no, what are you talking about? Just because I wrote a book? What if I wrote it like 10 years ago? Are you going to retire then? So I, I don't know if people think a book is a swan song or something like that. Sure, I'm, not, I'm more towards the end of my career than I am the beginning, obviously. But, but uh, you know, you got me around for a few more years. <laughs> Perfect. I think everyone wants to hear that. So that's good. Now, obviously, going back, to 1989 from all those years that you've been involved heavily with the Ironman racing. How have you sort of seen the sport change? Has, obviously, I like to assume it's been for the better, eh? but you've seen quite a few changes over the years. So how is it now compared to back back in the day around the 80s, 90s? Has it uh, transformed quite a lot for the better or what's your opinions on that? Yeah, it's definitely transformed for the better. You know, I'm, I'm part of the, I'm in the uh, thick of the race event business. And I always have been. So I, I am part of the operations team. I see the guys and gals that are, you know, making sure the courses are safe, making sure the barricades are there. Everything's marked. The athletes are taken care of with the aid stations. You know, I, I see all that. And over the years, that's gotten better and better and better because the, the crews are so much more experienced and, and, you know, when you put on an Ironman or any other big endurance event, whether it's, you know, Boston Marathon yesterday, whatever it may be, there's the inside carnies, uh, so to speak, the roadies that are putting this race on that have one thing in mind to make sure it's a safe course for everybody. Uh, and, and over the years, Ironman, like others, have tried different things to uh, try to make it safer. And, you know, obviously the rolling swim stuff is making it safer and things like that. So I, I think that's all great. But at the end of the day, people always ask me, they go, wow, you've probably seen all these changes. Sure, there's different businesses that own events and there's some politics involved. And, you know, I don't really jump into that world. I mean, I did when I was helping run Active.com and a few other companies. Uh, I, was, I was immersed in that world. But when it came to Ironman and I was at an event, that cannon goes off. It's the same as it has always been. It's swim, bike, and run under your own power. And we can't wait for you to get to the finish line. Nothing much is different than that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what makes it pure. That's what makes it, for me, wanting to go back to every race. It's like every race is like a first. Here we go again. We get to do this again. And, you know, uh, I, I, that's why I can't imagine when my last one will be because I've always been under the mode for 30 years. We get to do this again. Let's, you know, I'll see you next month someplace else. So, so that, awesome. to me, that changes is, uh, you know, you can go down the road of technical aspects, the bikes, the, you know, coaching and everything. Sure. That's all, that's all out there. And everybody's aware of that. But you know, when that cannon goes off, it's swim, bike, run, baby. That's what it is. No, for sure. I agree with that. That's amazing. And, and now some of these, well, actually, I guess every race you'll be announcing for 17 hours at a time. And you've been doing that for 30 years now. And does it just come natural to you now? And you just sort of speak from your mind or you still always plan and prepare what you'll be saying at each race because essentially you're doing public speaking for 17 plus hours, which I mean, most people are afraid of doing that for just even five minutes. Well, it's not like rehearsing to learn my lines. Like I'm in a play, but I, I go through the database and, and I'll get the Texas database in a day or two and I'll start going through that. Uh, and it's just to familiarize myself with who's there. If I know them, um, if I, I read the backstories, I read the bios and go, Whoa, okay. I want to, note this one down because this is pretty doggone special things like that. 
but with with a long day and you know my my goals for the day number one take care of the athletes that's number one number two take care of the race itself and number three take care of all the partners and sponsors and then number four do whatever the race director tells me to do. (laughs) I mean, that's how my day goes. And since it's such a long day, I can't prepare for everything. So a lot of stuff is off the cuff. And, you know, I'll say things that I know the crowd is thinking and I'm thinking too. So I sometimes say things almost in a question form and they laugh and I go, yeah, maybe, maybe it's like that. You know, so uh, I'm just having a lot, I'm just having a lot of one-on-one conversations. That's how I see my day. But, uh, I do have to pull a lot of stuff out because uh, off the top of the head, because it's such who, who prepares and can prepare for a 17 hour day. That's right. eh? no, that's amazing. That's uh, it's really incredible that you've uh, been doing it so long for the, this many years. And I think that's uh that's really cool. And I think I'm trying my best to get to one of the races anyway, that you'll be announcing out when I do the first full Ironman. So I'm looking forward to that. And <laughs> I mean, hopefully we'll see if I have to travel to New Zealand, then it'll be, it'll be a long, it'll be a long, long journey long flight, but we'll make it. <laughs> awesome. So before we, I uh, guess, sort of wrap things up, uh, I wanted to try and do a little Q and a sort of fire round. Cause obviously there's so many questions, um, that I, I want to get out in so little time here. So, so if you're at four, we can set a timer and try and get through, uh, quite a few questions here. And, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Make me think now. Come yeah. on. <laughs> this requires the thinking this part of the <laughs> episode. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So I'll uh, start the timer here and if you're good to go, then we'll start it. Go. Awesome. So what would be your favorite race course? Oh no, I said you won't uh no, we're leaving that one for the book. So skip yeah, that one. <laughs> what's the favorite country that you like to travel to? New Zealand. New Zealand. What's one race you haven't announced yet, but you would like to or really want to? Austria. Austria, nice. Wow. And do you do any Zwift any Zwifting or do any Zwift races? I Swift. I haven't done any Zwift races, but I, I work out on a Zwift quite a bit. Oh, nice. Perfect. Now, where are some of the best places uh, with the crazy sort of finish lines, like the, the parties and the atmosphere? Early years of Ironman Australia in Foster, Tuncurry. That's where the race used to be. And then that moved to Port Macquarie. Uh, Mont Treblant is a party atmosphere finish line. Obviously, nothing surpasses Kona. So, you know, it's, it, it's where the bigger crowds are is where the finish lines are are fantastic. Ironman Wisconsin, that is always just an insane finish line right in front of the state capitol. And then Lake Placid, I think, is probably behind, right behind Kona, coming on the Olympic Oval at uh, Lake Placid High School. And when they come around the corner, everybody's sitting up on the hill. It looks like a Ironman Woodstock. That's what that race just reminds me of. And, and those crowds are so loud and so knowledgeable. It's, you know, so that's where. Awesome. Perfect. And now do you ever plan on doing an Ironman? And if you did, where would you want to do it? Where do you think I'd do it? <laughs> I'm going to say Wisconsin. No, I'm going to say Kona. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Kona. Yeah. Or Lake Placid or Kona first? No, it'd be Kona. It'd be Kona. Perfect. Awesome. That's uh, that's good to hear. And so obviously I think we've, we've covered a lot here today. So I mean, again, if listeners want to sort of connect to you, uh, where can they find you on sort of your Twitter, Instagram and, and uh, your website? Well, I'm at, at Ironman voice for Twitter and, and Instagram. Uh, I've got a public Facebook page, which people can go to and 
write messages. And that's where I get a lot of my messages if people want to send me a message, uh, which is perfectly okay because I answer them all, talk to everybody. Uh, and then my website, just mikereilly.net slash finding my voice. But you can just go mikereilly.net and click on the book. Uh, my blog's got the schedule for the year where I'm at. You know, I've got some stories on there. And I've even got a bit of the audio book on my website. So you can listen to a part of a chapter that I, that I did record to get a sample of that. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. So if anyone obviously wants the book, then uh, head to MikeReilly.net. And I'll also be leaving the link in my bio on Instagram as well. So if people want easier access to it, they can find it there as well. And, and, uh, other than that, like, uh, keep in touch with us because we definitely want to hear about the book. And, uh, I'm excited to read this and uh, sort of see how it goes. And I mean, obviously I want to give a uh, little bit of a shout out to triathlon Taren, obviously for introducing us. Um, he's been incredible as well with sort of getting you on, on the podcast a few times. And that's what sort of really opened a lot of our, like my eyes in particular that uh, seeing about and hearing about this book so frequently, I think it's been amazing and I'm really looking forward to it. So obviously thanks again to Taryn for uh, helping us set this up. Yeah, he's a good man. Uh, you know, I, I think I was his first podcast when he came to San Diego and set up. So we, we've got a little deal going. I've I've done three with him now, and I'll be the first one to do four. We've made that promise to one another. So we'll we'll just we'll just keep going through it. But yeah, <laughs> they're they're good people. Awesome. No, that's great. Um, other than that, Mike, uh, thanks again so much for coming on, and uh, talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you very much for having me and good luck with that uh, Lake Placid 70.3 and, and get your butt ready for an Ironman. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Awesome. All right. Take care, Mike. All right, buddy. Take care. Well, guys, there you have it. Mike Riley, the voice of Ironman himself with amazing stories and just such a genuine and great guy who truly loves the sport of triathlon in its entirety. Now, he's 100% about the triathletes and so selfless, and I hope you have the privilege to have him announce you through the finish line. And I hope he continues to do this for years to come. So, I mean, lastly, guys, thanks so much for listening in. And if you liked this episode, then please take two minutes to leave a kind review on the podcast channel as this helps us get heard by more listeners through the podcast platform algorithms. Other than that, guys, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Take care.